Welcome to the Choose You Netcast. This is Jim Langlois with the word from Joshua 24, 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my prayer that this netcast will encourage and cheer you on as we join forces to draw the line in the sand, defending our faith and our households in the resurrection power of Jesus. Join me each weekday as we dig deeply into God's amazing word and bring up the rich treasures of his blessings. Are you ready? Choose you this day. Whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. I said, choose you this day, whom you will serve. But that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house. Good morning, Networld, and thank you for tuning in. We're continuing with the Family Bible Revolution, an end time message for his generational blessing. Remember, there are five essentials for the family Bible revolution. The first being family worship, the second being authority, the third being appointed and anointed, fourth being generational, and fifth being church worship. We're going to continue today with our study on the first essential being family worship. And I'd like to read you a comment from Scott Brown in A Theology of Family. He says, if we ever hope to recover the biblical mission of the family, We must first restore its worship. People often try to fix their families by making surface changes in important areas. But until they deal with worship, it will find themselves like the men of Judah, healing the hurt of the people slightly. That's out of Jeremiah 6.14. So many maladies in family life can be traced to the abandonment of family worship. Jeremiah 6.14 in the message version. My people are broken, shattered. And they put on band-aids, saying, it's not so bad, you'll be just fine. But things are not just fine. Okay, so how do we have family worship? In answer to that question, at a breakfast meeting with Scott Brown of the National Center for Family Integrated Churches, on Wednesday, September 5th, 2012, he and three other men gave me their six points based on Deuteronomy 11, 18-19. I gave it the name the Family Bible Revolution. The first point was open the Bible. Second, read it to the family. Third, discuss it for how it should change your thinking and living. Four, pray for one another, the saints and the lost. Five, do it at the beginning and the end of the day. Six, now you're trained, go do it. I was shocked at its simplicity, but do you think this could make a difference in our families? How about our marriages? I believe if we do this, just to begin with, we would severely reduce the divorce rate and the problems we have with troubled teens. It's God's plan. This six-point list of instructions has the potential to change society and the world as we know it. It has the potential to save marriages, save children, save young adults, and save our nation. It has the potential to evangelize the world, make ready a people, the disciples, prepared for the Lord. And according to Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, and Luke chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, it will bring the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. It will be the end-time manifestation that ushers in the return of Christ. I believe this is something God is doing right now. How easy is this to do? Those six points. Is it really that easy? Will this really change the world? Well, point one, remember, is open the Bible. 
Well, that's very easy. Point two, read it to your family. You could read a verse, a few verses, or a chapter. A good suggestion would be to start with the book of John. I consider that very easy. Point three, discuss it for how it should change your thinking and living. Well, this takes no preparation the night before. No Bible diploma or education is necessary. You do not have to fully understand it. Just read it and discuss it together with your family as to what it says. I consider that very easy. Point four, pray for one another, the saints and the lost. Well, keep your prayers simple and sincere. That's very easy. Point five, do it at the beginning and the end of the day. In today's society, different schedules can be difficult to coincide. Can you meet for at least 10 to 15 minutes? Can you do 20 to 30 minutes? Not the easiest point, but with determination, it can be accomplished. The more you do it, the easier it will become. Point six, now you're trained, go do it. With simple obedience and God's help, you can change your entire family easily. But what if it's just me and my wife? Great, she'll love you for it. What if I'm a single mom? Great, your kids will love you for it. What if I'm a single? Great, the Lord will love your fellowship. What if I'm a grandparent? Your grandchildren will love you for it. What if I'm a guardian? I think you already know the answer to that. What if I'm the oldest child and mom and dad are coming home late? Wonderful. Your younger siblings will love it. Oh, another nice item to add to your family worship is a song of worship. Don't worry. You do not have to be a professional singer, just someone who loves the Lord. In A Theology of the Family, Charles Hayden Spurgeon is recorded as having said, They that pray in the family do well. They that pray and read the scriptures do better. But they that pray and read and sing do best of all. There is a completeness in that kind of family worship, which is much to be desired. Lance Wallnow, while quoting Derek Prince, said this, You will reach a point where you can't teach your children, but they will never lose faith, they will never lose the reality of God, and you won't see them go off to college, backslide like the statistics say, if your kids are accustomed to the family praying together over needs. You join hands and pray for the provision you need, the progress and the prosperity of what you're putting your hand to. If your children can recall the family praying and God answering that prayer, it doesn't matter what kind of aggressive and militant unbelief they run into later. They already know. They don't know all the answers and agnostic criticism, but they know God's real and they know the supernatural is real. He continues, This is why the Pentecostal movement is so powerful, because we are experientially based. If you ever have authentic experiences with God, one experience is enough to inoculate you from 1,000 unbelievers. You teach your kids by praying with them and the family practically, not for the missions in Africa, but for the things that you yourself need, so that when they show up, you can point out how God is faithful and how God does stuff. When the kids hit a crisis, they know how to pray. I want to talk now about what I call time to engage. Men, fathers, and masters of the household. When we get home, it's time to engage, not disengage. Many men in our time, after a hard day at work, just want to sit on the couch, drink a beer, watch TV, while having the wife cook dinner, and making sure the kids don't disturb dad because he is tired and wants a break. 
Somehow they, the father, think they are owed this downtime, and everybody else, no matter how tired they are, have to do all the work. Hmm, what's wrong with this picture? Hey, don't look at me. You're just as guilty as I am. We need a new vision, a new understanding. When we get home, it's not time to disengage, but rather time to engage in loving, leading, and caring for our wives and children. This is true discipleship, true evangelism. Keep the light on the lampstand. Keep it burning bright to give light to all who are in the house. Somehow, I thought all discipleship and evangelism was taken care of by the church. Somehow, I put the emphasis on church life instead of home life where it belonged. I lived, ate, and breathed for the church instead of living, eating, and breathing for the household. Lord, forgive me. As I have said earlier, I think we need to consider the differences from the field of the crusade to the field of the home. What will it take? Obedience and faithfulness to the call of family. And faithfulness and obedience to the fulfillment as heads of households. The Hebrew word bayit, meaning the immediate family, relatives, friends, and anyone else in the home. What part of the housetop are you? What's your position? The master of the house, the husband, the father, the mother, the wife, or the children? Everyone has a purpose and a call to fulfill. How can we use our household, our housetop, as an evangelistic tool for the kingdom of God? Well, by opening the word in family worship. To our spouse, to our children, to our relatives, to our friends, and to our neighbors. Matthew ten twenty seven, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Let's learn how to shout it from the housetops. As we've read in Deuteronomy 11:19, it says, You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. That would be in the evening and in the morning. We think of our days as beginning in the morning, but each day on the Jewish calendar begins at nightfall. This is why it says, when you lie down and when you rise up, instead of when you rise up and when you lie down. The Jews understood that their day begins when the family is gathered in the evening. When you add, speaking of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, we can conclude that a biblical home would be teaching and speaking God's word all day as they face any problems, any situations, and any praises. Earl Pink, who lived from 1886 to 1952 in A Theology of the Family, is recorded to have said, It is not enough that we pray as private individuals in our closets. We are required to honor God in our families as well. At least twice a day, in the morning and in the evening, the whole household should be gathered together to bow before the Lord, parents and children, master and servant, to confess their sins, to give thanks for God's mercies, to seek his help and blessing, nothing must be allowed to interfere with this duty. All other domestic arrangements are to bend to it. The head of the house is the one to lead the devotions. But if he be absent or seriously ill or an unbeliever, then the wife should take his place. Under no circumstances should family worship be omitted. If we would enjoy the blessing of God upon our family, then let its members gather together daily for praise and prayer. Them that honor me, I will honor in his promise. 1 Samuel 2.30 An old writer well said, A family without prayer is like a house without a roof, open and exposed to all the storms of heaven. 
All our domestic comforts and temporal mercies issue from the loving kindness of the Lord, and the best we can do in return is to gratefully acknowledge together his goodness to us as a family. Excuses against the discharge of the sacred duty are idle and worthless. Of what avail will it be when we render an account to God for the stewardship of our families to say that we had not time available working hard from morn until eve? The more pressing be our temporal duties, the greater our need of seeking spiritual succor. Nor may any Christian plead that he is not qualified for such work. Gifts and talents are developed by use and not by neglect. How much of the dreadful moral and spiritual conditions of the masses today may be traced back to the neglect of the fathers in this duty? How can those who neglect the worship of God in their families look for peace and comfort therein? Once again, that's all the time we have, so I look forward to being with you in my next netcast. Mark your calendar, set your clock, and tune in next time as we continue in establishing the Family Bible Revolution, an end-time message for His generational blessing. I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Master's House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site. If you'd like to write me or become a financial partner with this ministry, my address is the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. That's the Master's House, Post Office Box 1568, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23116. Online donations can also be made at tmhnow.org, and my email address is pastorjim at tmhnow.org. This is Jim Langlois saying be blessed, you and your whole household. Until next time. Choose you this day, but that's for me and my house, me and my house, me and my house.